Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of SpinCast. Today, we're back on a couple topics, collegiate esports, event management, um, and esports in the industry from more of a business side as well. Today, um, joining us, we have Victoria Horsley. She is the CRO of the Unified Esports Association and the president slash founder um, and creator of the Unified Collegiate Esports Association as well. So without further ado, Victoria, go ahead, introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about your past, where those passions started with esports, um, and kind of how that took you through your experiences, some pretty unique ones in there as well that I'll let you talk to, and kind of how you ended up where you are now. Yeah, first of all, thank you so much for having me on. Um, but yeah, I've had a pretty extensive roadmap through sports and, and esports. Um, I would say my passion for esports started when I was a kid, I have this um, picture that I always show people when I was probably three, and I'm just sitting there with a beak in my mouth, sunglasses on, a Power Rangers shirt, and I'm holding a Nintendo 64 controller. I don't know, but uh, but that's where it started. I fell in love with um, Ocarina of Time on the 64 and Super Mario's, and I would still argue to this day that that's the best console ever released. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of where it started, and then I got into the Kingdom Hearts series, and I absolutely fell in love with that. And then when it comes to competitive, um, one of the first competitive games that I really, really got into was actually Rainbow Six Siege. So in in Siege, I started like a bit as a player and then I did some coaching, I did some recruiting, I did some team management kind of things um, across the board there. And that grew into general team management and um, recruitment. And I, I was in charge of a PUBG team that actually qualified for a pretty big tournament out in LA. So I did the traveling and logistics and all that fun stuff for the team. Um, so I did that for quite a few years. I've been in esports for about eight years altogether. Um, and then during that time, I was also working for, um, as an event manager for the Super Bowl. So I did uh, Super Bowl 54. They have a, like a big fan fest event. Um, so I was one of those event managers on that. And then the NCAA men's final four in 2016, I think the year was, I don't even know anymore. Uh, but, but I did an event manager for, uh, for those like fan fest events as well. So that was a lot of fun. Um, but I learned that as much as I love traditional sports, it's not the business for me. Um, so I really, really dove into, um, emphasizing the esports industry as a whole and where I could go. And then um, for the, about the past three and a half years, I've spent it with mostly collegiate and kind of the business overarching aspect of it. Yeah, absolutely. Fantastic. I always love to hear those, you know, passions in esports start at such a young age. Um, kind of, I think it's really overlooked in a lot of different ways. Um, you know, I always ask the questions, like I started playing t-ball when I was four, right? A lot of people don't really play that team-based esport. Um, whatever title it may be until, you know, 13, 14, 15, where they're exposed to like the team and everything that good could, that comes out of that. Um, so my first question for you is kind of drawn on the traditional sports. Um, a, why did you transition to esports? Was it more of passion or did, was there something in particular that you liked better with esports? And then also throw us some um, similarities and differences between the two from the event management and business side that you experienced with your, um, with experiences in both. Um, so my transition was based mostly on the fact that while I have a passion for both, um, traditional sports is really set in their ways. Um, it's been around for a long time and I just see esports as this growing, booming industry. Um, and I think that it's the best place to be able to actually do something and make a difference. Um, so that was one of the biggest parts where I wanted to carry over, um, And then I I think there are a lot of similarities between the two. Um, I think we see similar kinds of structures, um, such as franchising, like we see 
um, Call of Duty League and a little bit with LCS, although it is quite different than traditional sports, as I believe it should be. Um, and then a collegiate side, we see some, you know, we see traditional athletic conferences kind of moving into the space. Um, but in my personal opinion, from the business aspect, um, I, I think that there should be a differentiation between uh, traditional sports and esports. Um, one of the biggest things I always say is nobody owns basketball. Um, there's this ominous third party in esports called the publisher uh, that, that tra the traditional sports models don't necessarily take into account. So um, it's my firm belief that we need to respect them and treat their, you know, their product. They, they created the games that we love. They spent their hard hours. Um, if you build a business and you love it, it's your baby. Um, kind of like I, I consider UCA my baby, you know, like, like I made it and I move forward with it. Um, but the games that we play are somebody else's baby. So we need to respect that. And I think that kind of copy and pasting the traditional athletics model is um, kind of detrimental to that aspect. And so I think moving forward, there needs to be more differentiation between the two. But I think where it sits right now, there's quite a bit of similarity between the, the two different models. Yeah, absolutely. I would say that, you know, traditional sports is definitely set in their way. Totally agree there. And that model is highly successful, right? Amongst, you know, youth sports, collegiate sports, and professional sports. But like you said, the biggest wrench, and that's a very large arguing point, is like, how do we, you know, bring in companies like Ubisoft, Riot Games, right? They own the game. So you have to respect them, just like you said. Um, so kind of transitioning to the UCA, right, with the, your, a lot of your work with collegiate esports. Um, talk to us kind of how you deal on that business side with the game publishers, right? And how you can still develop the associations and conferences and leagues, all these tournament series um, and work with that, with that in mind that you have to have, you know, permission from Riot and have access to the APIs and all that stuff. So speak to some of your experiences there and then any kind of um, interesting points that you want to throw in as well. It, it's my firm belief that any tournament under UCA is either officially licensed or has approval because some, you know, some publishers, they just say like, yeah, go for it. They don't really have a licensing process. Uh, Valve would be one of those, which I love working with Valve because they're like, yeah, just don't do anything wrong and, and you're good. Um, but, you know, we have uh, games like Overwatch where I speak to them very, very frequently. Um, and we actually have a varsity Overwatch tournament coming up in the fall. It's a 32 team tournament and it's officially licensed. So we have the custom license for it. And um, same with Rocket League. Like I've been in touch with them very, very closely. So it, to me, it's very important important to have those relationships because at the end of the day, um, I think Riot's already shown us that they plan on stepping in on the governance side of things when they produce RSAA. And then recently they uh, provided the rule sets and the guidelines for the tournaments where it says like no collegiate governing body can make a tournament essentially. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that they're showing us that they want to control their IP, which makes sense, right? You want to control your brand, you want to control your image. I totally get it. Um, so I think my perspective is to step away from the governance side um, and let the publishers do that, but work with them and let the institutions that are a part of the association be that speaking voice and that kind of, I don't want to use the word union because that's not what it is, but it's, it's comparable to, to the idea, right? Like the speaking voice to make sure that things are going in the direction that they appreciate while they're not having to fund it. I think at the end of the day is the big idea. Um, because I don't know if you noticed, but collegiate institutions, their esports programs uh, are not made of money. Unfortunately, they, they tend to get the short end um, of everything. But, but yeah, so it's, it's my dedication to want to be friends with the publishers, so to speak, um, rather than trying to be a, a force working against them. Yeah, I absolutely agree there. And I think 
something that always comes up in a lot of these podcasts with the number of collegiate guest coaches, um, support staff, or even the presidents or directors of the program or the university is that there needs to be that very concrete method or idea that there's structure, right? With these tournaments and leagues and series in the collegiate side of things. Because right now in traditional sports, you have the NCAA, right? They control everything, division one through three, everything. But like you said earlier, no one owns those games. Now you have to bring the publishers in and it's who funds it, who controls the rule sets and everything. And right now there's so many different entities involved that it becomes very unclear for like, where should my program play? Where should this, you know, should we develop a conference? All of that. Um, so speak kind of to like where you see that future vision going to. You spoke to it a little bit just now, um, but do you want to see something like the NCAA partnership with the publishers um, or like conferences or associations control it to have that really structured way so everyone's on the same page. You don't have like, for example, like NACE and TESPA have the finals in the same day or something, you know, these massive scheduling um, issues. Yeah, I think um, the best way to look at, in my opinion, and this would be, you know, kind of the three to five year long-term goal because these sports moves at the speed of light. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I think we need to kind of partially throw away what we think of when we hear the word association because we think of the NCAA, right? And I almost probably 95% of the people I talk to that are part of an NCAA institution are like, please don't get involved. Like they don't want the NCAA to get involved whatsoever. Um, and I think that's appropriate. I don't, I don't think that we need to marry traditional sports and esports because they are two different things. I think the students on campus need to be recognized equally, but I don't think they need to all be shoved into the same sector. Um, but I, I think that as we move towards a different kind of association, and um, obviously I think mine is good because I built it. Anybody's going <laughs> to favor something that they made. Um, but it's kind of that middle ground. It's kind of the, the voice for the institutions providing all of the competition and resources and education and um, all of that amazing aspects of, um, of the association when it comes to being a quote unquote member or affiliated with it, or I believe TESPA calls them chapters, um, whatever you want to call it, being a part of something, there's a lot of assets to that. But at the end of the day, um, I think it's going to filter into something different, which is, you know, the publishers. It's all going to be a little bit different. And I think right now trying to force something like the NCAA into esports, you know, anything kind of like that governing body structure, I just think it's going to not work out in the long run because it's, there's too many, it, it's like putting a Band-Aid on something. You know what I mean? There's too many holes to fill that it's like shoving Band-Aids. And then at the end of the day, there's going to be a lot of publishers that don't like that. And then if they say no, it wipes out your entire business model. Um, so in my opinion, I think it's going to move in a very different viewpoint of how we think of associations. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And just to speak to some of those points, um, like you said, putting a bandaid on the massive issues, it's very hard to control esports from that structured way, right? We all kind of want that dedicated series of like, okay, this is the league play into like a bracket. And now we have a championship for all colleges, right? Like you have for a national championship for football or basketball, but at the same time, like, I can hop on and play in any tournament I want in esports, like literally in three hours, right? You can't do that in football. You need a field, you need 30 players, right? You need the refs and all the equipment. So it's much different there. So kind of expanding on some of those holes that you were talking about, um, what are some of those holes and how can maybe taking some of the traditional sports model or none at all, um, applying it a little bit, but like where are those holes or those changes or the morphology that we need to kind of breed esports into its own thing where the players still get the same credit and the same visibility and the famous kind of fan base, 
um, that traditional sports gets, but in their own kind of unique way that esports deserves. Yeah, I think it's um, a, a little bit of what I touched on earlier of creating that um, you become a part of something, they uh, produce the events, the production behind the events, um, obviously production for an esports match and a, and a football game is a little bit different, um, but, but providing that production, providing that high quality value, um, providing the um, education for the coaches and directors. I know we have a very recent partnership with NACAD um, tied to UCEA where we're giving them very specific and uh, different educational opportunities for the staff of UCA institutions. So that's just one thing um, when it comes to assets to coaches and directors and you have different partners, whether it's PC or gaming or um, scrimmaging tools, like you, you know what I mean, like across the spectrum, it's all of those assets that an institution can take to better their team and better their program. Um, I think that's the part of traditional athletics that we see that's going to be very well utilized in, in esports. So it's that infrastructure for the institution themselves. But I think the overall uh, infrastructure that has to change is the the head of it, right? It's not it's not just um, the person in charge of the association. It's the person in charge of the publishers. And to me, in my viewpoint, I think over the next few years, we're going to see um, we are going to see those national championships, right? We have them across a lot of different games, uh, Rocket League in particular, they have CRL. Um, and I don't think, I, I think a lot of, if, if you use, how do I want to phrase this? <laughs> if you use the traditional sports model, it would essentially have you taking that national championship away from the publisher. And in my opinion, I think it's more of a harmonious aspect where we need to run it with them, right? Like how can we help facilitate our institutions and make it to where there is um, a, a team effort between the different, um, the, the association aspect and the publisher aspect and how can we make something like CRL, just as an example of a, of a well-known national tournament, um, and how can we work together to make that a, a bigger deal and an official varsity tournament. Um, so I think that that's what it's gonna look like and that's what's gonna move to. And uh, I think that that's the, the best direction for esports in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely, I love to see that. So kind of, you know, looking towards that you know, for example, UCA slash Ubisoft, you know, Rainbow Six Championship, right? Absolutely, would love to see that come to fruition and have that kind of unified approach to like, hey, this is, you know, first the team that wins that really is the clear best because it has the best infrastructure and support. Um, my next question is kind of based off that infrastructure and support. Um, obviously, we've been talking about it in detail. Could kind of speak to the importance and also what it allows for the players and the teams to kind of strive towards um, to have that platform to play on for like the parents out there and the high school students that aren't really sure what that looks like at the collegiate level because it's not as visible as traditional sports right I keep going back to it but you know traditional sports is so yeah. visible compared to collegiate esports right at that collegiate level so speak to the importance and kind of like what it like breeds and allows um, to really let the players shine in the best way they can. Yeah, that's actually one of the biggest holes I think is in collegiate esports right now is there's a lot of focus on the institution and the institutional name and you don't know who a player is. You know, you, you might see a gamer tag when they win, but that's it. Um, that's actually one of my missions with UCEA. It's, I want it to be very player focused, whether it's, you know, freshman year to senior year, and then they go and play for, I don't know, cloud nine or something for, for League of Legends or whatever the case is. I, I want to follow that career because you see um, an example like Kyler Murphy who plays football, we knew every college that he went to every day of his life. And then he's in the pros, you know what I mean? Like how people follow him and he became such a person. There's a story to him. People know his background. People 
feel the 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 empathy towards him, right? So I think esports needs to take a bit more of a of an not an emotional approach, but like there there needs to be a, a humanization to everything. It's not just the school; they don't just play for a school. These students matter, and so I think as we start to focus on that, a lot of things will follow. With being um, we plan to have very high level production and by highlighting those students and giving them that high level production, I believe that that will move into the live events where you have something comparable to a Rose Bowl for football. Mm. Um, that, that's, that's my goal. And then um, that'll help, you know, kind of equalize recognition on campus between an esports player and, and a, a football team. Um, I think it becomes very similar and students aren't, you know, not taken as seriously. And what my kind of, to summarize my vision, I guess, for students on campus is I want someone with, um, you know, maybe a licorice poster on their wall or just a C9 in general poster um, to be treated the same as someone with a Von Miller or a Tom Brady poster on the wall, right? Like it's all, it's all looked at the same. It's all looked at as achievable aspirations that matter. And I think that that's the gap that we need to fill because I don't think there's a lot of that. I don't think there's a lot of the um, empathetic road towards actual human beings. It's a lot of, this is a gamer tag, this is a school and we're moving on. Yeah, yeah, really helping foster those identities, right? Because I remember, like, I went to Chapel Hill, right? Massive basketball school, right? And whenever you see one of the players, you're like, whoa, that's so-and-so, right? But I really, like, you never really feel that with esports. And I don't even think, like, a Boise State or a UCI, right? Even those players probably don't get much of that at all, if any, because just because not a lot of people are aware of it at that, like, mainstream level. We're like, oh, my God, I just walked past Trevor Lawrence or Kyler Murphy on campus. You're like, wow, right? I think that wow factor would be super cool um, to say the least. And obviously the goal of anybody that wants to see the esports industry advance because having it that in that mainstream fashion is incredibly important for the players. So they get their recognition. Um, there's kind of like a hidden point in that last response that you had that I think is one that a lot of people are trying to think of, of this divide between like the collegiate player base and then the professional player base, right? Because right now it's so easy just to go pro if you're good enough, right? A lot of people aren't really stepping through the collegiate um, kind of foundation while you see like in football or basketball, you know, you go to college and then you go pro. Um, so do you have any thoughts on like how we could start to either change or mitigate that while maybe allowing them to play collegiately while they're playing professionally, which is probably not enough time in the day to do that, honestly. Uh, but like, what are your thoughts on that where we can start to see, you know, the collegiate player base really grow um, to be on par with like the pro player base? I think the main issue is because um, collegiate and professional is pretty much the same age right now, right? Like uh, I think one of the average-ish ages of retiring is 22 or something like that. Um, so now it's kind of the reverse structure. I'm going to go pro and then I might go back to college when I feel like my, my time's done in the pro scene. Um, and I, I think a lot of that is because one, esports is new. Um, two, the franchising, it, it, it's different than what we think of as a traditional sports franchise. It's not the NFL, um, but a, a franchising esports aspect um, is essentially brand new. You know, it's two years old, maybe. Um, so I think the, the youth in that is a def definitely a contributing factor because there was um, no real clear path. There was nowhere to go if you wanna go pro and then in collegiate, that's only become a thing for the past five or six years at the varsity level and then it's still growing and growing and growing. Um, but I think a lot of the pool that takes people from essentially high school to pro is the paycheck, right? Like they're getting paid, they have the ability to make money off of it. And I think until we start to legitimize esports in the collegiate space with that varsity aspect, because varsity essentially means that you can 
pay for your school with it, right? Like you can get a scholarship, it's not costing you anything. You can get a, a, a great education while playing esports. That's that's the appeal of a, of a varsity program. Um, so I think once we start to legitimize and further the amount of varsity programs we have, and that includes also raising the budgets of an institution, I think right now it still sits around $10,000 as an average budget for an entire year for an esports program, which is insane. Um, but I, I think once we start to up those numbers, increase those limits, um, then we'll start to see an actual quote unquote pipeline. I feel like that's the coveted word that everybody rolls their eyes at, but it's actually what everyone's striving for. Um, to be able to see that high school to college to pro. And I think that it's going to take um, unification within the publishers actually to really, really define that pipeline because they're the ones that are controlling the pro scene and then they're starting to dive into the collegiate scene. So I think once they start to have those actual step-by-step um, -step aspects of how you can do this, much like the NFL, um, there's even rules that where you can't enter in the NFL unless you have X amount of years, same with the NBA, even though they try to change it every year. Um, but there's those different rules to make sure that people are following that. And I think once esports gets more involvement and gets more legitimized at the different levels, then we'll start to see that pipeline. Um, but I think until then, it's it's still gonna be a bit of chaos, but, but that's okay. Yeah, I think you just highlighted every aspect that you know <laughs> needs to be fixed, or not fixed, but like improved, right? With maybe raising that average retirement age from 22 to let's say maybe 28, right? Get some older blood in there. And I think I would look at it, it's like, I think esports right now is so new, right? So you're looking for raw talent, right? Who can play the best, react the fastest, shoot the flattest, all of that. Um, when in reality, like you're starting to see these veterans that understand the game so well, like a Tom Brady, right, for example, or like, I mean, you said Rainbow Six, like Canadian, right? Or Tengu, but they're still on the younger side, way younger than Tom Brady. Um, but they understand the game so well that they play on autopilot and they really help the team mesh and win by strategizing, win by outthinking rather than, you know, having the strongest arm or the best aim or something like that. So obviously those are very important qualities, but I think we might see that trend sooner than later. So unfortunately, we are running out of time for this uh, mini podcast episode of SpinCast. I'll leave you with one last question. Um, what is your advice for those students in high school, right? Obviously, you know, your passion project and your little baby is the collegiate side, the UCA. Um, for those players that want to get to the next level, right, play collegiately, get involved in esports at the collegiate level, what's your advice for them? What's the first thing that pops in your head and to help them take that next step to achieve their goal in playing or participating in esports at the collegiate level? One of the main things is just uh, find an institution that you're passionate about that has an esports program. Um, and reach out to the coaches. I think people underestimate how personable the coaches are, um, but I've played Rainbow Six or several different games with them throughout my career, and they're they're very adamant on getting those high schoolers the opportunities that they, uh, all the opportunities they can possibly have. Um, and I, I would say just, um, just kind of follow your passion. I think it's the same with any sort of athlete. Um, don't think of yourself as different than a, than a football player trying to get recruited. It's very, very much the same. Just maybe a little harder to find those resources. Um, and if, if, you know, maybe you're not sure that you want to be a player, a lot of institutions now have broadcasting scholarships or management or a lot of different aspects. And, um, just, just reach out to an institution and say, you know, Hey, I'm not necessarily interested in playing, but I would love to help coach or help with the production side of it and just reach out. Um, there's a lot of resources where you can find on different institutional websites and it, there's a lot of hidden information out there, but I guarantee if you dig and, and take it seriously and know that esports is valued, then you can definitely find something that, that you'll love. 
Yeah, absolutely. I was I always tell any younger student or even parents, like always reach out because anybody that wants to see the esports industry grow and evolve, like I'll sit down with anybody and talk 30 minutes about esports, quite literally what we're doing right now. Uh, <laughs> maybe not record the other conversation, but same idea and really just, you know, help to enlighten them like, hey, this is what esports is at that industry level, that in holistic kind of approach, like you said, casting, production, um, graphic design, right? The media, the marketing outreach. So important, especially with, you know, esports being in the online market predominantly right now, especially more so right now with COVID. Um, so absolutely reach out. So unfortunately, we are, are out of time. Victoria, thank you so much for taking the time to um, sit down and talk um, about esports from the collegiate side of things with me today. Um, real quick, go ahead, plug yourself, plug um, the UCEA and tell us where we can find everything if anyone wants to learn some more. Yeah, uh, first of all, thank you so much for having me on again. Um, but you can probably easily most find me on Twitter. It's just at Queen Nehru, N-A-Y-R-U. It's from Zelda, don't ask. Um, but that's the easiest way to find me. And then UCEA can be found at UCEAGG on Twitter or UEA.GG forward slash collegiate um, as a website if you want some more information. So um, my email is Victoria at UEA.GG and I am an open book. So feel free to contact me whenever. Awesome, awesome. Once again, thank you for taking the time. To everyone out there, thanks for staying around the whole time and listening to the entire episode. Um, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay happy in the current pandemic. Make sure you take care of yourself and your loved ones and your friends, of course, um, and ultimately, stay plugged in. Mm -hmm.